Hi, I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 120, my teen is into sports betting. Help. Well, it is that time of year where all I can think about is a potential vacation. I don't care. Day trip, weekend trip, week-long trip. I am ready. Rena, me too. I am just counting down the days till summer. And one thing I have to say that you flagged early on the season, before we ended the season, you wanted to do an episode on sports betting. Yeah. This is fascinating and, to be honest, Rena, worrisome for me. Yeah. You really flagged this. I want to get right into it because I did not think this was an issue, but now I see why you wanted to do this. Here's the letter we got. Dear Lisa and Rena. Our 16-year-old son is caught up in sports betting. He's a good kid who makes his own money by working at a restaurant near our home. We figured out that something was up when we saw he was using Venmo to pay a college student who's a friend's older brother and who, it turns out, is a bookie. We asked our son about what was going on, and he got really defensive and insisted that all the guys he hangs out with bet on sports and that it's not really a big deal and that he has it under control. We don't know how to react. We suspect that this is where most of his paycheck is going and that he doesn't really get how serious and dangerous gambling can be. What should we do? Is this really common, Lisa? That was my first question to you when you're like, this is happening and we need to do an episode. Well, you know, okay. I had the same reaction when I started to hear about online betting and sports betting and adolescents and started to have friends with teenage sons say like, this is an issue, this is an issue. I was like, what? What are you talking about? And so then of course, once I hear that something's happening, I start to like look for it, notice it, listen for it. So one thing that has happened in sort of the broader universe is that, you know, gambling has been made legal um, in most places, I don't know the laws inside and out, but you know, in, I think it was um, it was a key Supreme Court decision that legalized gambling in lots of places. Mm-hmm. And then, what has emerged are all of these online betting platforms that are basically apps. And you hear, you know, FanDuel is one that people use a lot. DraftKings is one that you use a lot. People use. But what's really fascinating to me in terms of just like the shift in the universe around sports is that now so much of the sports commentary on conventional programming, like conventional sports commentary, is organized around thinking about if one has bets on this game, right? That so much of the commentary is now about like how many points this player should be still getting in this game or what the line is on this game. And so it's really shifted the whole discourse, the – ease and availability of betting legally, and we'll get to the illegal side of it, legally, for people who are interested in sports, it is now thoroughly saturated with betting. And so not only is the commentary very centered on betting, but then the ads between the commentaries are all Mm. DraftKings ads, FanDuel ads, like there's all of this stuff. And so, you know, just back to that thing that we were talking about earlier 
when we're talking about TikTok and social media, norms, right? In terms of mm-hmm. norms, betting on sports for people who follow sports is now becoming a highly normed behavior in a way that has not always been the case. Mm-hmm. And just like technology, when we did that episode looking at technology, it's, if it's normal, then your 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 perspective kind of can get shifted or skewed somehow. Yeah. It just seems like the kind of thing one does. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like, if adults want to bet on sports, that's, you know, that's above my pay grade, not our department. There's still worries about addiction. And I want to get into the mechanics of that because how we understand that as psychologists is something everyone should know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's certainly... I think can be quite enjoyable aspects of it. And it was funny, Rena, when I realized this was happening, I started asking everyone I could find about, you know, what's the door, what's the story? What's the story? And I was in Washington, DC, and I had this fabulous Uber driver. This guy was great. And he was in his mid-30s and he worked as a trucker the rest of the time. And I said, Do you bet on sports? And he's like, Oh yeah. And so at the stoplight, wow. he got out his phone and showed me his FanDuel account. And he, this guy was fantastic. And he said, no, I'm very careful with the money. I make plenty. And I said, so what's in it for you? Like, what mm-hmm. what, what do you do? And he said, I mean, and like you could just feel him like just vibrating with like the pleasure of describing this to me. He was like, it is so much more fun to watch sports with my buddies when we all have 10 bucks on, you know, something and we're watching the game and you're like, it just changes the dynamic completely. It takes it up several notches. If you lose 10 bucks, you lose 10 bucks, but you've had so much more fun. You're rooting for players you usually ignore. You're rooting for teams you hadn't cared about before. And like to hear this guy describe it, I was like, I get it. I get it, right? So so that's at work here, which is mm. it's super fun. And it takes something that is already fun for a lot. Let's We'll just sort of assume this is largely boys. You know, watching sports is already fun for a lot of boys. It takes it, and then it just takes it up all these notches. So it's like being on some super drug or something. It is. It you is. Know? It just like puts it all into technicolor. And mm. and it was interesting because I was thinking about this guy, thinking about this guy, and I was like, you know, for ten bucks, if it is so thrilling and so compelling and takes what you are already going to do, which is sit around and watch the game with your friends. And make it that much more interesting. Like I, I see why that might be really, really something to do. Like I get it. I get it. So I want to bring it back to the kids. I get that the adult is into it, right? And you've mm-hmm. completely made me understand how guys can get into this. But are kids really using bookies? Are you really seeing that? Well, so then the next thing that happened after I was like Kind of, I almost feel like you know your scales fall away. Somebody shows you something new. So as as I became interested in it, then I was like, "But what about the teenagers? Like, is that for real? Like, is that actually a real thing?" So I was at a co-ed school speaking to the entire high school, and um, had a wonderful conversation with them. And we got onto the topic of social media, and there was a reason for me in in describing social media, and and we'll come to this, to talk about intermittent reinforcement schedules, which is really the psychological principle that understands underpins gambling. And I said in this kind of offhanded way, I was like, this is why gambling is addictive. And Rena, this like surge, this ripple of energy went through the high school boys. Like there was just like this, like as soon as I said, this is why gambling is addictive. Like I could just see right in front of me, they were all like the seniors, especially right in front of me. There's like this, yeah. Like it was like this, they weren't, they weren't like, oh no, 
they were like, yeah. Like, and, and it was like so stark to see how like quickly they all looked at each other with knowing looks, looked at each other with excitement. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like they get it. They understand what's happening. They're interested in this and they're doing it, right? Which is of course not to say that every boy in front of me was doing it, but it was just one of those, it wasn't entirely accidental that I sort of like threw out the word like, yeah, this is why gambling's addictive. Just, I wanted to see what they would do. And what they did was far beyond what I expected. Okay. At which point I started asking. I started asking anyone I could about high schoolers, teenage boys, because the key in this arena is that gambling is not legal in most states until age 21. Mm-hmm. There's a few states where it's legal at 19 and 18. Well, the Kentucky Derby, I, I was reading when we were doing research for this, you only have to be 18, which, okay, it's a fun event, social event. Great. You should be able to put down some money on a horse. Why not? Okay. So you only have to be 18. So you could be a high school senior. You could be a college freshman. Now, the other thing that happens at 18, Rena, you can get a credit card at 18. Mm-hmm. And now that we have these online platforms, there's... So little friction. So I will tell you the nightmare scenario, and I think that there are examples of this that are out there. The nightmare scenario is a kid who is in a state where it's legal at 18 and has access to a credit card, gets on FanDuel or DraftKings, and gets themselves into horrendous debt, and they do it all legally. It is all 100% legal, right? I mean, like, and that is the nightmare scenario. Now, most states it's not 18. Most kids don't have credit cards. And so then I started asking. And actually, I will tell you, I don't often get really surprised. But what I was surprised to learn is that it is not at all unusual, and it's been going on for years, that there are kids who set up websites where they basically serve as bookies. So there's like fantasy football stuff that's gone on forever and ever. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where kids may have a little money in it. But it also becomes vastly more elaborated than that where kids find someone, and I think it often is like a slightly older kid, maybe somebody's sibling, where you send in your information and they they run a book online and kids are putting money down, they are owing money, they are you know getting themselves into a bad spot because they can place a bet without actually having the cash. And so then if they lose the money, they have to cough it up. And what I heard from the teenage boys I was asking about this is that the boys I talked to, they were like, no, you don't do that or you're smart about it. You only put up what you have. But they all had stories of kids who had gotten themselves in a jam or, or who were like, I will get the money to you, but it comes with my next paycheck. And so by the time they get their paycheck, they have already lost all of it to gambling. So there are lots of ways for this to get out of control. Mm. Lisa, I want to pause and take a quick break. But on the other side, I want to ask you, is there ever an upside to any of this? I know it's a crazy question. And I mean, should we really as parents be concerned about gambling? We're going to take that on the other side. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Did you know that most betting is made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? Luckily, one company is changing this standard for good. Bullen Branch Sheets, which you know I love uses the rarest 100% organic cotton that's traceable from family farm to your family home. I have had my Bull & Branch sheets for a while now, and I love them. They feel like butter. 
In fact, I am so used to them now that when I travel, as I often do for work, I take my bowl and branch pillowcase with me and I put it on the pillow in the hotel room so I can enjoy that softness at least on my face, even when I'm not sleeping in my own bed. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bowl and Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code ASKLISA at BowlandBranch.com. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ASKLISA. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I got the most amazing pair of boot-cut black work pants that have been a game changer, all thanks to my stylist at Stitch Fix. The stylists understand your style, your size, your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It took a couple of tries for the stylist and I to really see eye to eye, and once they did, it's such a game changer. I asked for a pair of black pants that make my legs look good, and also would look good with a blouse or a nice top. They really nailed it. And then they found another cardigan for me that really works. I also love that they show you different styles of how you can put these outfits together. I love that it feels that she can read my mind now and we've got a rhythm to where all I do is say I need this type of wardrobe piece and she sends it to me and it fits and it works. Styles that make you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash asklisa. That's stitchfix.com slash asklisa. Stitchfix.com slash asklisa. I love doing laundry now because of EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze are these eco sheets that look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless, so you don't have that drippy goo from plastic jugs. EarthBreeze is really tough on stains, even odors. And if you've got teens, you know about those odors. Dermatologists tested, hypoallergenic, and also free of bleach, dyes, and parabens. Fragrance-free option is also there for anyone who wants it. So what EarthBreeze did was they got rid of the unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, and that includes babies. And I love that I just order online and the shipment comes right to my door when I need it. So right now, our listeners at Ask Lisa can receive 40% off of EarthBreeze. That's right, 40% off just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash Ask Lisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and get your 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. Lisa, I know that there's, you know, state to state. I believe now, according to some of the research we were looking at, there are 36 states plus DC that have actually made it legal for um, sports betting. And um, it's a $2.5 billion business and revenue a year. So there is big money in all of this. But you, we talked a little bit about how teens can legally access online sports betting. But can they also do it illegally? Like you never want your child to have a criminal record before they go off to college. Well, you never want to have one, have one period. But, you know, is is how worried should parents be about this, I guess? Well, there are illegal ways for kids to do this. You know, so I'm sure it's not kosher for the book that you know the you know older kid is running and you know basically making it possible for 16 year olds to bet you know I, that's been going on i'm sure somewhere that is not entirely within the law but there are ways and this is worrisome um you know where kids can fake their age um you know and and it may be cuz when if you go on to FanDuel and um sign up 
It will ask your birth date. It'll ask where, what, what state you're in. And then it will start to ask for things like your social security number, right? I mean, there's, an, you know, it's, it's verifying age. So, you know, kids could rifle through the family files and get, you know, a sibling's, older sibling's social security number and verify themselves and, you know, create all sorts of trouble that way. Um, you know, kids have, you know, they're very resourceful. I, I wouldn't at all put it past um, a very, you know, invested teenager to figure out a way to set up an online account when they are too young to do it um, and to do it in a way that could be really tricky. I won't go so far as to say I understand the criminal ramifications of that, but I do know there are going to be financial ramifications for that kid. And that's a really scary thing or potentially for that family. Um, mm -hmm. So it can get out of control. So this can get pretty bad in ways that you might not have really understood in the beginning. Well, it can. And and you mentioned the upside piece. I mean, I, I think there is the the enjoyment, right, which my wonderful Uber driver like made so clear to me. I think that that's the upside. If there's an upside, it just makes what you're doing already more fun. There's a lot of downsides, Rena. And, and one of the things that I've heard about in terms of downsides is that, first of all, it's very thrilling to do the betting. It's like what my Uber driver described, but like, in a way that's hard to then step back from, right? Mm -hmm. Or to mm -hmm. contain to the weekend. And so I did hear stories as I was asking and asking of kids who get really, really into the thrill of a game or waiting for a result. And so then they start following all of these things like they don't even care about, like Korean women's soccer or like European <laughs> tennis. Yeah, no, like I, I, when I heard one of these stories, I was like, okay. But then when I kept hearing it, yeah, because like there's not always a game on in the sport that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And so then they start betting on sports that really they don't have any interest in, but they're just so drawn to the the feeling of betting that they're doing it. And, you know, I can easily picture, like, this could start to really get in the way of a person's, like, ability to focus on the things they're supposed to do, like go to class or pay attention right. to their homework, right? Because in this whole big world, there's always a sport on somewhere, and apparently there's always somebody who's willing to take your money for you to bet on that sport somewhere. So there's that element that is worrisome. There's something bigger here, though, Rena, that I want to just unpack around the science of addiction yes. when it comes to gambling. Because is it really an addiction, Lisa? Well, I, I, you know, with my um, crotchety <laughs> <laughs> academic view of things, I am very, very, very cautious of using the term addiction because, you know, you just – terms can become so elastic that they stop meaning anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With my living in the world and watching how things operate side, any time something gets to a can't stop – feeling, right? Okay. Whether it's, we talked about it with video games, you know, it can, if you can't stop, you might as well call it an addiction, right? I mean, it's, it's getting in the way, it's causing trouble and you are, it's, you're at the mercy of it, right? So I, there is absolutely, like absolutely no question that there can be a can't stop feeling around gambling. And the way we understand it, I've, I've mentioned these intermittent reinforcement schedules. Okay. So whatever else listeners take away from today's podcast, mm -hmm. they need to explain this to their kids because it's something that we all need to understand about human behavior. And it's something that kids need to understand, especially around things like gambling. So here's the deal, Rena. In behavior science, we have long studied 
reinforcement schedules, which is how often do you need to give a reward to keep a behavior in place? And the way we do this is with um, rats and pellets and a bar that they can press to get the pellet. (laughs) Like this is how we study it. (laughs) And so we test all these different reinforcement schedules to see how sticky they are. So we have one that we call a continuous reinforcement schedule, which is basically every time the rat presses the bar, they get a pellet. And so they keep pressing the bar because the pellets are yummy. And then what we do is we take the pellets away and we see how long they will stay there and continue to press the bar. And what we find is that with a very regular schedule, the rat will press the bar five times, 10 times after there's no pellet. And then they'll be like, forget it, this thing's broken and they'll walk away. So it's not that sticky. We'll also do like an interval where they have to press it 10 times to get the pellet. So they press it 10 times, get a pellet, press it 10 times, get a pellet. You know, they do that for a while. And then we take the pellets away and they'll press it like 40 more times or 50 more times. And then they'll be like, okay, this thing is broken and they'll give up. Okay, then we get to what we call the intermittent reinforcement schedule. This is where the rat presses the bar five times, gets a pellet. The rat presses the bar 10 times, gets a pellet. Once gets a pellet, 30 times gets a pellet, 14 times gets a pellet. So an entirely unpredictable schedule. If we take the pellets away, the rat will stand there and continue to press the bar until they pass out from malnutrition. What? Yes. Until they pass out? Until they pass out. So this is the sticky schedule. Now, Rena, gambling is an intermittent reinforcement schedule. You never know when you're going to hit. And so... It's very hard for people to walk away. Okay, just to put this in real life terms, think back to college and think if there was like a person you had a crush on. And think if, since we are old, they called you every Friday night for five weeks and then they stopped calling. You know, the sixth and seventh week you might wait by the phone, but then you'd be like, forget it. Yes. But if they called you three days in a row and then they didn't call for two weeks, and then they call twice, and then you don't hear from them for months. But when they do call, they're you know, you talk, and it's great. If they stop calling, you would wait by the phone for months for that person. Wow, you know what I mean? Like yes, that? Like I do. Oh, yeah. This is also why dogs beg at the table because every once in a while, uh-huh. somebody caves and gives them a little scratch. Jeez. (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. And it's hard to cut off. It is hard to cut off. So what's the big takeaway from these experiments in our real life? So the big takeaway is, first of all, watch out for intermittent reinforcement schedules. Like they are actually really dangerous and really sticky. And I think that it's really important that adolescents understand them, both for their love lives in terms of who they're waiting around for texts from. And then also, if there's any possibility that they may be interested in gambling, because, you know, the way that the gambling universe is set up is that it is all about trying to draw them in. A lot of these um, online platforms will front you money. There's also this whole elaborated um, universe of people who are selling their called signals, which are hints about how we think this game's going to go or this player's going to play. There's an entire YouTube universe arena of like videos you can watch about how to be a better gambler. There's all this stuff trying to convince kids that they can beat the house. 
And you know the number one rule in gambling. What? The house always wins. Oh, you're so right. The house oh. always wins. And so I think that it's really important for adults to be like, look, I get it. The DraftKings ads are hilarious. It's very easy to hop online or you can send that money to that college student or um, you know, this is super fun for you and your friends, or you think you know a lot about basketball. I mean, I was talking about it, you know, with with someone who teaches teenage boys. He's like, well, there's one thing they're not short on, confidence, right? So like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this sort of belief that they somehow have the special angle, right? There's a lot there that's designed to convince them that they can get the leg up, that they can, you know, somehow beat the house. And so I think as adults, and that's what we need to say is number one, the house always wins. Let us show you their revenues, right? Like the revenue number you quoted, right? That's not the house making it easy for people to win. The other is this is designed to make it impossible for you to pull away. Like that the way gambling works is designed to make it impossible for you to pull away. And the other thing that they should know about is that so often gambling is set up not that you feel that you lost, but you feel that you almost won. Yes, that's so true. And you feel like it's within your grasp maybe the next time. Exactly. It was interesting. My my beloved Uber driver <laughs> was showing me that he had, it was on a basketball game the night before, he had, I think he said 14 legs on the game. And the legs were all of the different things he could bet on on the game. Like, you know, how many shots would this guy you know, or how many points would this guy get? Like, you know, all of these different features of this very specific game. Mm-hmm. And the setup was that I think he put down 10 bucks. And if he got all 14 legs, I think it's a parlay, right? Like if you have to get everything, he was going to win like 10,000 bucks. I mean, wow. it was like some huge and also statistically highly improbable, you know, number or, you know, accomplishment. And so he was so excited because he had gotten 13 of the 14. Wow. And so his experience was not that he'd lost 10 bucks, but that he'd almost won 10,000, right? Of course. And that, so I think we really need to be very, very clear with teenagers that gambling is highly manipulative. It actually uses the one reinforcement schedule that we know is the one that is impossible to resist or nearly impossible. And the other is that experience you have that you almost won, that's not you getting better and better at this. This is you being totally played by the system. Wow. And there's one thing that you say, transparency, when you tell kids they're being played and you expose it to them and explain it to them, that they get that even in their teen years. They do. And they don't like being manipulated. But Rena, I got to tell you, yeah, this is going to be a hard one for parents because for the kids who enjoy this, it is so fun. I can see that um, it's hard to not, I think, for a parent to seem like they're kind of being a killjoy about it if um, if they're like, whoa, you yeah. know, easy on the gambling or you need to be careful about gambling. Wow. So so bottom line, Lisa, like, what can parents do? You've made us aware now. What can we do to prevent this? Well, Rena, I think realistically, if your kid is into this, I'm not 100% sure you can ban it. Really? Yeah. And I, and I just, again, like in the name of being realistic, if they have any access to any money, they can find lots of ways to cloak that they're doing it. Um, you know, they can say, no, I gave that kid 10 bucks for Chipotle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, right. What are you going to do? Call the kid, track him down, ask if, you know, what he right. had in his order. So I think, I think that first and foremost, we need to be really, really clear with kids that 
this is more dangerous than it feels and less um, – because it feels so fun and it looks so fun and it's designed in that way. Yeah. I think if a kid's really into it, I think the parent needs to have a very clear conversation with them about what the parameters are going to be. Um, again, I am acknowledging that one of the parameters may be this isn't even legal, and so you can't do it because it's not even legal, right? I think the parents can say that and really talk with kids about the legal consequences, but then they're going to have to really know what those legal consequences are because, again, it's very hard to make the legal case when they're like, um, I've known kids for five years who've been doing this and like yeah. the cops have not knocked on anybody's door, right? So right, I think right. this is one of those things that we want kids to be smart and we want kids to be safe and we don't want kids to destroy themselves financially, right? Or lose all their money, right? I mean, just even even if they don't need the money, like spend all their hard, you know, earned money on games. Yeah. I think that for me, it really is going to have to be about creating an open line of communication. You know, what are you into? What are you liking? What are we not understanding? How, you know, is there, what are the risks involved? Are you managing those risks? Are those risks that we as a family can comfortably allow? Um, if we're going to decide that you are allowed to do this, are we going to put some parameters around in terms of money limits or where the money comes from, or we have to be, you know, observing and supervising this. I mean, I think this is a tricky one, Rena. And and I I will say it's new to a lot of adults. I think it's going on far more than we're aware of. I think whatever else I would say that parents should say to their kid, talk to me about like sports gambling. Like what do you know? And and just get that conversation going. I think there are things that sometimes are happening below the surface with teenagers that um, they're not bringing up with us. And so until we're the ones bringing it up, we don't really know what's happening. Remember in season one, we did that episode about porn and you said by the time a child is 16, something like 95% of kids will be exposed to porn. I was like, what? And, and you said to me, if they have an iPad, any access to the internet, it's very easy for this to happen. Is online gambling like that conversation with porn where you think, have it before it actually happens? Or is it something you don't really need to address? Well, I think you do need to address it in that if kids are into sports and watching professional sports, it's already in their face, mm. right? So, you know, thinking about, you know, if if you have a, let's just say for you know, the sake of argument, a son who really loves to watch sports, like you should sit next to him sometime and watch the commentary. And I think that very soon into that, there will be fodder for saying, man, like this commentary is entirely for people who have money on the game. Like mm. what's the story here? And then the DraftKings ads, which are going to be like, this is hilarious. Like this is really, like this makes us look like it's all upside. And so I think that um, whether your kid is betting or not, if they're watching sports and they're, you know, in a universe where sports are what they're looking at on their phone or, you know, penetrating their social media or, you know, certainly what they're watching for fun, this is already happening in your kid's world one way or another. Whether your kid has money on the games is something else altogether, but we do need to be talking with them about gambling, how it works, how the house always wins, and how people can really get themselves in trouble. Mm. Wow. This is not a parenting issue. I really thought we needed to address, but boy, do I get it now. This is really incredible stuff that you've given us. Um, what do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? 
You know, it's hard sometimes, Raina, to bring up a topic where it's so murky yes. <laughs> and, and complex. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we're not doing our job right if we just stick to the easy ones. Um, but what I think about here is that when it comes to teenagers and safety, safety is not something we do to teenagers. It's something we do with teenagers. And given how easy it would be for a kid to go underground with all of this, I think that we have to acknowledge that this may be something where we're needing to really work hard to keep the lines of communication open about what's out there, what the kid's interested in, what you know may or may not be available to them, and where the parents stand on trying to help that kid stay safe and not put themselves in a bad position financially or otherwise. Such a great point about safety. Such a great point. Well, Lisa, thank you. Um, I get it. I get why you wanted to do this episode now. Um, It was really, really eye-opening for me. And next week, we're going to have an encore episode. And we've done gambling this week. We're going to talk about bribing next week. When should you really bribe your kid? Should you ever? I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.